Amen. Happy Mother's Day to, uh, to everybody here. Well, the evangelist and author Leonard Ravenhill tells a story that I think illustrates the importance of motherhood. He shares a story about a group of tourists, and they were going to uh, different villages, and they entered into this one picturesque village, and they saw an old man sitting there. And one of the people in the tour group kind of sarcastically asked, so was anybody famous or any great men born here? The tour guide stopped, and he says, nope, only babies. It speaks to the importance of motherhood. Only babies are born. Even the greatest, even Jesus himself was not born as a great man, but was born as a helpless little baby. One author and pastor whose wife is a stay-at-home mom shared how his wife used to respond when people would ask her, so what is it that you do? She said, I'm socializing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God willed from the beginning of creation. Then she would say, so what do you do? (laughs) Actress Sarah Drew said this about motherhood. She said, the stay-at-home mom or any mom has the terrifying holy charge of raising up little eternal beings into people who will encounter the world either through kindness and grace or with malice and indifference. I cannot think of a more important job, and yet our culture rolls our eyes at these women. Our culture says they've given up on doing anything important with their lives. The importance of motherhood can't be overstated. Mothers are kind of the foundation of our society. Being a mother is challenging, demanding, but so important. And as a church, I'd like to thank all the mothers out there for the things you do for your children. I'd like to start by offering up a prayer for all the mothers here. So let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the mothers who serve so selflessly and give themselves for their children. Lord, with a task that's so demanding, Lord, we pray that you give them strength. Lord, we pray that you give them grace. Lord, we pray that you give them peace as they're seeking to raise their children in the Lord. Lord, I pray for those who are dealing with loss during this time, maybe those who are not able to have children, who maybe never got married or unable to have children, Lord, we just pray that you give them your grace. Lord, I pray for those who have lost mothers, as today might be a sensitive day, Lord, I pray that your, that your grace and your peace would be with them and give them strength. In Christ's name I pray, amen. And so, first of all, I'd like to encourage everyone to take some time to honor your mother today. For some of us, maybe that's easy, especially if our mothers are still with us and we have a great relationship with our mothers. It's kind of natural to be able to do that, but for some of us, it might be a little bit more difficult. You might think to yourself, so my mother doesn't really deserve that much honor. I mean, if you knew my mother, you'd, you'd realize that she doesn't deserve that much honor. Well, maybe that's the case. I don't, I don't know your mother, but maybe that's the case, but We didn't deserve God's grace either. We didn't deserve God's honor either. The scriptures say to honor your father and mother. It doesn't say honor your father and mother if we think that they deserve it. We honor our father and our mother for the sake of Christ. And when we do that out of obedience, sometimes God can start to soften that relationship. Start to bring healing to that relationship. Even if our mothers haven't 
treat us in the way that we feel they should. That doesn't always mean that everything will work out perfectly. Sometimes there needs to be boundaries in our relationships, but we can all choose to honor and respect our mothers. That's just an aside, but as, as a child, I knew who to go to for certain things. Uh, for example, if I was looking to play some baseball, I would go and ask my dad, do you want to play baseball? I would never go to my mom and say, do you want to play baseball? But I knew when to go to my mom. If I was looking for a little bit of sympathy, if I was sick or hurt, I would go to my mom. Because if I, I knew that, say, I scraped my knee, I would go to my dad, he'd be like, well... Looks okay. Just rub a little dirt in it. You'll be fine. <laughs> but if I went to my mom and said, I scraped my knee, she'd be like, oh my gosh, my little baby. Oh, I hope you don't need plastic surgery. Oh no, what, what, if, he, what if he wants to be a knee model someday? <laughs> I knew who to go to when I was looking for a little care or a little sympathy. And I think what's true about my mom and about mothers in general is Mothers care about and for their children even when they're at their worst. When they're hurt, when they're downtrodden. I remember times in my life when that was the case. I remember when I was a little kid and went to the grocery store and threw up right in the middle of the aisle of the grocery store. And I remember having strep throat and my mom taking me to the doctor or making me slushies for my throat. Even a couple years ago when Stephanie and I were very, very sick. I remember my mom bringing us uh, Pedialyte and things to nourish us. When other people are prone to run away from us, mothers tend to run towards us. Even when we're giving them attitude, even when we're throwing up in the grocery store, even when we find ourselves in trouble, our mothers are running to us. But not only that, they care about us. They want to know about our lives. They want to know what's going on and be involved in our lives. I always knew that any time of night or day, I could call my mom if I was in need. If I had to have something, I could call her. If it was 3 o'clock in the morning, she would answer and meet that need in whatever way she could. I remember during difficult times in my life, and even to this day, if I'm facing some kind of difficulty, sometimes she, my mother will stay up through the night praying for me. Mothers care about and for their children even when they're at their worst. But just like mothers care about and for their children even when they're at their worst God cares about his children and for his children even when they're at their worst if you have a Bible if you turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 66 if you don't have a Bible there should be one in front of you and if you don't have one at home there's a table to my right uh, when you go out feel free to pick one up on the way out we'd love for you to have one so Isaiah chapter 66 we'll start at verse 7 Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came upon her, she delivered a son. Who has heard such, th such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall a, a land be born in one day? Shall a nation be brought forth in one moment? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the point of birth and not cause to bring forth, says the Lord? Shall I who cause to bring forth shut the womb, says your God? Rejoice with Jer Jerusalem. And be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her. That you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast. That you may drink deeply with, a del with delight from her glorious abundance. 
For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nourish, you shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knees. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see and your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like the grass and the hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants and he shall show his indignation against his enemies. So the text says, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. God promises to comfort us like a mother comforts a child. Now, like I said, we come from different backgrounds. Some of us have had really good mothers, and maybe even though we have had really good mothers, we've realized some ways that they've made mistakes, and those mistakes have kind of shaped us. Or maybe we've realized that our mothers, maybe they had good intentions, but they made a ton of mistakes along the way, and we're kind of shaped by those mistakes and kind of, in a sense, paying for those mistakes to this day. Or others of us, maybe we've had a mother that was not really there, who maybe you know, wasn't even in the picture or who was addicted to alcohol or drugs or just wasn't a part of the picture. And I acknowledge that we come from different places and we have different experiences. But no matter who we are or what our experience is with motherhood, God can care for you like no mother ever could care for you. If you think of kind of the highest ideal or notion of what motherhood entails, that's the kind of care and love and concern that God has for us as his children. When we talk about God, we talk about God as a father. And that's because that's how he's described in the scripture. We don't properly refer to him as mother. But this passage and others throughout Scripture show us that God cares for us in a similar way that mothers care for their children. That He shows the care and tenderness that mothers show for their children. We see in a number of places in Scripture how God cares for His children. We see it in Matthew chapter 6. It says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So he promises to provide for our physical needs, that we don't need to be anxious or worried, that we can call upon him and he'll provide for our physical needs. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover, cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield. And a buckler. So he promises he's a refuge to us. That we can run to him and find protection and safety. And we see also that God has loved us even when we were at our worst. Romans 5 says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were at our worst, Christ loved us and died for us. 
And we also know that God cares about us, that He wants to hear from us. Paul says in Philippians, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Psalm 102, verse 17 says, He regards the prayers of the destitute and does not despise their prayers. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 encourages us to pray without ceasing that any time, night or day, that we have a need that we can call upon our perfect Heavenly Father. That He's always there to hear us for the big things in our life, but also for the things that other people might consider to be insignificant and meaningless. We can call on Him with all of our requests. So God shows us that kind of care. He cares for us even when we're at our worst. He cares about our lives and wants us to call out to Him. He cares about us even when we're at our worst. Yet the passage in Isaiah that we looked at just a few minutes ago talks not just about a past or present reality, because that's what we're talking about, a past and present reality. That God cares for us and He has cared for us in the past. But the passage in Isaiah is talking about a future reality of when God will care for us. The book of Isaiah is an interesting book because it's uh, a book that's kind of written for three different time periods. Isaiah 1 to 39 talks about things that were directly happening in Isaiah's day. Verse, chapters 40 to 55 talk about uh, things that were happening when God's people were in exile. And then after that, 56 to the end, talk about what happened after the exile. So it's a book that was written in Isaiah's time, but it was written to three distinct time periods. But the people of Israel could read the book of Isaiah or hear the book of Isaiah and they could kind of see the whole scope. They could kind of see what was going to happen. They could see the judgment that was going to come. They could see the sorrow of exile. They could see how they were going to one day return from exile. And they could see all these things. But then this passage in Isaiah speaks of a future eschatological reality. It speaks about something that still has not happened to this day. It's something that we still look forward towards. The book of Isaiah looks to a future when God will comfort His children like a mother comforts her child. The truth is, the longer we go through life, the more suffering and the more sorrow we feel. And the more tears that we shed. As we go throughout life, we face loss, disappointment, discouragement, the loss of our faculties, the degradation of our body. Author M.R. DeHaan once said, From infancy to old age, the record of every man's life is written in tears. Author Edwin Jackson puts it this way. Grief is a young widow trying to raise her three children alone. Grief is the man so filled with shocked uncertainty and confusion that he strikes out at the nearest person. Grief is a mother walking to a nearby cemetery to stand quietly and alone a few minutes before going about the tasks of the day. She knows that a part of her is in the cemetery, just as part of her is in her daily work. Grief is a silent, knife-like terror and sadness that comes a hundred times a day when you start to speak to someone who is no longer there. Grief is the emptiness that comes when you eat alone after eating with another for many years. Grief is teaching yourself to go to bed without saying goodnight to the one who's died. Grief is the helpless wishing that things were different when you know that they are not and never will be again. 
Grief is a whole cluster of adjustments, apprehensions, and uncertainty that strike life in its forward progress and make it difficult to redirect the energies of life. The more we live this life, the more sorrow we feel, the more tears we shed. And for some of us, Mother's Day is a difficult day because we realize those who we lost. We've lost a mother. But the scriptures promise us a day when God will one day wipe every tear from our eye. That he'll do away with every tear, every sorrow, every grief that we bear. Revelations 21 speaks about this reality that Isaiah prophesied. The Apostle John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's the reality that God is headed us towards. That's the reality that we have as believers, that one day, every tear that we have, God will wipe away from our eyes. God cares about us in the present. He cared about us in the past, and he'll care for us in the future. So not only do mothers care for and about their children when they're at their worst, God cares about and for their children when they're at their worst. But there's one last thing. We should care about God's children even when they're at their worst. We should care about and for God's children even when they're at their worst. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7-8, Paul says this, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also her own self. Paul said, we treated you like a mother treats a child. And do we have that kind of heart for those around us? Do we have the heart of a mother for those in our circle of influence? And I admit that's difficult sometimes because... There's people in our life that are difficult to deal with. People who are difficult to love. People who maybe make the same mistakes over and over and over again. People who are incredibly frustrating and irritating to be around. I acknowledge that. It's not easy to do. But do we look at them through the eyes of a parent? Or do we look at them as an annoyance? An obstacle? Think about it this way. Let's say you go to Walmart. And you walk into Walmart... And a little child comes up to you. You've never met this child before. And he comes and he spits on you and says, you're ugly. You probably wouldn't be very happy. You'd probably say, where's this child's mother? This is a terrible little child. I hope I never see him again. So probably negative thoughts would go through your mind. But imagine you go into Walmart. Child comes up, does the same thing, spits on you, says you're ugly. And that's your own child. Now, you still would have some pretty negative emotions. You wouldn't be happy. Probably a punishment would be coming. But it would be kind of a different way of viewing it. It wouldn't be that a child was just an annoyance. You'd be grieved because of the child's behavior. And you would do everything in your power to try to curb this behavior, not just because you're unhappy about it, 
but because you know that if this behavior continues down the road, there's going to be some serious consequences. This child's going to get into trouble. And so you do everything in your power to try to curb this behavior because of the love you have for the child. And in the same way, when we're viewing people and when we're interacting with people around us, it's a matter of perspective. Are we viewing them and their behavior as an annoyance or are we viewing them as a parent views their child and do everything that we can to help them and support them? And ultimately, the only reason we can do that is because God has done that for us. We can care for others because God has cared for us. Frederick Douglass was one of the greatest abolitionists um, in the early 19th century. He fought to end slavery, but as a child, he was a slave himself. And as, ju- as he was just an infant, he was separated from his mother and taken to um, a plantation about 12 miles away from where his mother was. But his mother wanted to be a part of his life. And so each night his mother would travel to that plantation to see her child. Frederick shares what his mother did this way. He says, she made her journeys to see me in the night, traveling the whole distance on foot after the performance of her day's work. She was a field hand and a whipping was the penalty of not being in the field at sunrise. She was with me in the night. She would lie down with me and get me to sleep. But long before I waked, she was gone. So his mother would work in the field, in the tobacco field, planting and getting the crops, probably from dawn to dusk, morning to night. And as her body was aching and every part of her wanted to go to sleep, she chose to walk 12 miles probably still hot and humid out to see her child. Maybe slept for a few hours and then began the journey back to start all over again. That's the heart of a mother. That's the care that God showed us in sending His Son to die for us on the cross. And it's also the love that we should show to those around us. That we should be willing to do anything to bring those around us to Jesus. Mothers care about and for their children even when they're at their worst. God cares about and for His children even when they're at their worst. And finally, we should care about and for God's children even when they're at their worst. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your love for us. We thank You that You're a refuge to us, that we can call upon You anytime, night or day. And we thank You that You promised that there's coming a day when You'll wipe every tear from our eye, every sorrow, every grief, every disappointment You'll wipe away. Lord, we thank You for Your love for us. We pray that because of Your love for us and because of all You've done for us, we'd be able to show love to those around us. That as we experience people in our life who are difficult to deal with, who are frustrating. Lord, we pray that we would view them through the eyes of a parent, not as an annoyance, but as someone who's in need of grace, in need of love, in need of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray that you'd give us the power to do that through your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you. We look forward to all that you're going to do. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.